Hey, everybody. It's Greg with Mike, and it's before the show, I-V. That's four in Roman numerals, in case you did not know. Mike, did you know that four is I-V in Roman numerals? For a long while, I thought it was just I-I-I-I, because my parents had a grandfather clock, which shows how old the clock is and how old I am. The clock showed, instead of I-V for four, it showed I-I-I-I. Well, it's I-V, because everyone watches the Rocky movies. Everyone knows it's I-V. But that's not the point of why I'm doing it before the show for this week. Now, Mike, we have some big news regarding a big merger in the sports world. And this may be beneficial to both sides for merging together because this is XFL iteration. What would this have been? Iteration three? Yep. And the USFL, this is just iteration two, essentially. Or, well, kind of one. I don't think it ever went away. Well, except for the original 40 years ago. But I do think this might be beneficial for both sides and maybe making a run at being a second football league. So the USFL and the XFL are going to be merging starting now, and they will have their first official season on March 30th as the second iteration of the United Football League. Because remember, Mike, there was a United Football League from 2009 to 2012, totally unrelated to both the USFL and the XFL. I remember it. Not terribly well, but I remember it. Oh, I remember it. When we do the UFL on It Was a Thing on TV, I'm going to have like personal experiences with that. So that's just a tease for that. <laughs> but let me see if I can find the teams that are moving over to the UFL. Okay. The teams from the USFL that are going to the new UFL are the Birmingham Stallions, the Memphis Showboats, the Michigan Panthers, and the Houston Gamblers. But there is an asterisk to that because the Houston Gamblers are being rebranded as the Houston Roughnecks from the XFL. So they're going to keep the Gamblers players and coaching staff, but give them the Roughnecks branding. Because obviously to Houston fans, the Roughnecks is the more recognizable brand than the Gamblers. So makes sense. And from the XFL returning are the Arlington Renegades, the DC Defenders, the San Antonio Brahmas, and the St. Louis Battlehawks. So what do you think about those eight? I think your champ is going to be Birmingham. Again, they were such a force to deal with in the USFL last year. It helps that almost every game they played was in Birmingham. Yeah, but you know what's going to help? No more hubs in this merge of the league. Everyone's going to be playing in their own stadium, so. Well, that's good. I wonder for the championship game, if they're going to hold it in Canton like the USFL did last year. Because I know they were, like, really hyping it up. They were on local media. I mean, not that Cleveland is, you know, going to send tens of thousands of people to root for a USFL team in Canton. But I wonder if they're going to do that again, just to give them that, like, sort of experience within, like, shouting distance of 
football greatness, the Hall of Fame. Although the XFL championship game last year was in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome where the Brahmas play. Maybe it'll be at Canton again, or maybe they'll have it at one of the XFL stadiums, possibly. I don't know. The other thing I'm glad that stuck around is the DC Defenders. I think you know why we get more beer snakes. Oh, yes. And obviously the Defenders, they're the most popular team in the XFL, so it makes sense that they're staying for this new version of the UFL. So that's great. Actually, the coaches for the uh, new UFL, we got, let me just get it real quick on the screen share here. Birmingham, we got back Skip Holtz, the son of Lou Holtz, who was the coach for Birmingham the previous two seasons. For uh, Houston, we got Curtis Johnson, who was the head coach at Tulane University from 2012 to 2015. And coaching Memphis... Now, I know this guy coached last year, but I'm like, wow, I forgot this guy was even alive. John Filippo. Yes. I remember, like, he was, like, a highly touted, like, head coach candidate, like, five years ago when he was with the uh, Eagles and then we was the Vikings OC. And then it's like he went to Minnesota in Kirk Cousins' first year there, and it's like, he did not mesh with Cousins well at all, I remember. That makes me wonder if the timeline for the Browns would change because remember the OC after Filippo was Kevin Stefanski and he got brought on board as the Browns coach in 2020 after a year in Minnesota. So how does that change the timeline of things, especially with the Browns? Hmm. And then for the Michigan Panthers, we got former 49ers coach Mike Nolan. And then in the XFL, we got returning as the coach of the XFL champion Arlington Renegades, Bob Stoops, obviously former Oklahoma University head coach. Talked about him way back in the uh, BCS on Fox episode on the Mothership podcast. For the DC Defenders, we have Reggie Barlow as the head coach. And for the San Antonio Brahmas now, he was the coach in Houston last year in the XFL, but I'm glad he's going from Houston to San Antonio. Wade Phillips. And let me just say this, Mike. Wade Phillips, maybe like one of the great coordinators in the history of football. You know, when I think about Wade Phillips, first thing that comes to mind, and maybe not necessarily because of him, maybe more because of his dad, Bum Phillips, is Texas. Because how long did they, Bum and Wade Phillips, coach the Oilers, the Texans? Seems like any time that one of them coaches, minus when I think uh, uh, you had uh, Wade Phillips coaching the Bills, I just remember him being, or them being, associated with Texas. I think just based on name alone and, and recognition, I think that's a great hire. Oh, it definitely is. And then for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Now, this is going to be my adopted team this season in the UFL. Former New York Jet tight end, Anthony Becht. And I got to say, besides D.C., I think St. Louis is a very hot market for spring football. Considering everybody 
in St. Louis. They've been starred for football since the Rams left almost 10 years ago. And the Battle Hawks have been probably like one of the big success stories from the XFL in the last two incarnations. I think it's good on this league for having three Texas teams. Because I think anybody who knows football knows football in Texas is like borderline religion at that area. I understand that, but it, having three teams in one state out of eight is kind of a little too much, especially considering you have like one Northeast team in D.C. and none on the West Coast because Seattle didn't come over from the XFL to the USFL. I'm guessing maybe they're going to save Seattle for expansion if the league has a successful first year as the UFL down the line, maybe. No, I'm not justifying three teams in the league because I agree with you. You have no New York team. You have no representation in another big football mecca, Florida, California. There's nothing essentially west of the Rocky Mountains. You don't even have a team in Denver, for heaven's sakes. Everything is basically in the central time zone and eastern time zone. Yeah, I got the map here on Wiki, so let me just show that to you. I got the three Texas teams here. You have like St. Louis in the Midwest right here. You have Memphis and Birmingham in the Southeast. And then you get North and you have Detroit and DC up here. If this is for just this season only while they expand or while they attempt to grow, I think it's not a bad move, but I'm sorry. You can't survive very long when you're basically neglecting the entire Western half of the United States. So maybe next year you'll have your L.A. team. Maybe you'll have a Seattle team like you mentioned. Maybe you'll have a Denver and then try and find some other dead zone here. Uh, maybe like Florida or I don't know. I don't think you can put a team in like Milwaukee or Minnesota. That I know that's a dead area up there, but. I have an idea for a market. Okay, I'm listening. Salt Lake. You see, that's not that far from Denver, though. I mean, it may be like a five-hour drive. I've never driven that. I'm just saying because that was an AAF market, so. Okay, fair point. Uh, and also, as much as I hate saying this, maybe instead of, let's say, San Diego or, or San Francisco, maybe you have the L.A. market. And maybe you put a team in Vegas. Maybe if you go in Vegas, maybe this time you don't use Cashman Field. That's exactly what I was just going to say is don't put a team in Cashman Field. Beautiful for baseball, not made for football. We talked about that previously. Yes. So for broadcasting for the UFL, it's going to work similar to the 2020 XFL where you're going to have four games a week. One game's going to be on Fox, one game's going to be on ABC, one game's going to be on ESPN, and one game's going to be on FS1. So you have four networks, each dividing one game each. So I think that's pretty good. I'm wondering, though, who they're going to get for broadcasting. I know the USFL had Menifee and Joel Klatt for the A games, and I know they broadcast some games for the 2020 XFL when Fox had that. So I'm guessing they're going to be 
with the UFL this season. I'm trying to think who you get as your B squad for the FS1 game. And I'm trying to think. You can't have Joe Davis because he's doing MLB on Fox at this time. And he can't have Burkhart because he's doing the studio show. So I'm just going to say it right now. Maybe give the Kevin Kluger, Mark Sanchez team the FS1 game. Maybe. If they want it. I don't see why Sanchez would uh, deny it. And then I'm guessing for the ABC ESPN games, you'll have the um, their college football crews do it. Um, I'm not – I don't even know who did the uh, the main games for ESPN slash ABC in the XFL last year. I know Joey Galloway was a color guy for one of them, and I know Greg McElroy was too, so – I'm pretty sure that those two probably will be uh, used for the UFL this season. But I'm going to be honest. I'm very excited for this. I'm not going to lie. Anytime you have like spring football, whether it's the AAF, whether it's the XFL, I'm going to be excited. I wasn't excited about the USFL because of the whole hubs thing. But now that they're merged, it's all done. No more hubs. Now it's like, Good. Ready to go. And you know what the cool thing is? ShopUSFL.com has 60% off all the uh, teams that are not making it over to the UFL. So I'm going to score some new era 39-30 flex fit hats of like the Houston Gamblers and the New Orleans Breakers. Because of course I am. The USFL's loss is Greg's gain. Oh yeah, baby. Because you know I love getting defunct team merch. Oh, I know you do. I know you love that stuff. I just bought a LA Wildcats XFL 2020 FlexFit hat on eBay today. So now, Mike, there's this one big thing you told me you wanted to talk about. And I got to say, dear God, people, please stop. Please, for the love of God, stop making your steamboat willy horror-themed ideas now that Mickey Mouse is in the public domain. To quote Filthy Frank, it's time to stop. You know, when the clock turned to midnight on January 1st, Steamboat Willie entered the public domain. And Mickey Mouse did not enter the... Well, Mickey Mouse, as we know it, didn't enter the public domain. This is the Mickey Mouse that had no gloves. This is the Mickey Mouse that... If you've ever seen Steamboat Willie, you, you know what uh, that Mickey Mouse looked like, not the refined version we've had for the last 80 or so years. But just everybody's coming out of the woodwork with these ideas about, hey, Steamboat Willie is in public domain, and I could do this with Mickey, and I could do that. And just been overkill the last four or five days about all these Steamboat Willie ideas, but the one that killed me and... I mentioned this to Greg before we started recording is Rob Zombie wants to do a version of Steamboat Willie that's horror based. And as I told Greg, didn't he do enough damage when he did the Munsters a couple of years ago, which was so just absolutely awful? No, you know, just because you have this idea doesn't mean you need to do this idea. Steamboat Willie is a horror movie i don't know what to even think about that how that would work 
somebody is making a Mickey Mouse like cuphead shooter out of Steamboat Willie, which I'm like, okay, you can do that. That's fine. I don't care. But it's like, it's like the Winnie the Pooh horror movie that came out like last year. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Winnie the Pooh horror movie? Yeah, it was a Winnie the Pooh horror movie when Winnie the Pooh went to public domain. It's called Winnie the Pooh Blooded Honey. All right, hold on. You know what I'm doing. Winnie the Pooh Blooded Honey. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, you don't know what you're in for. Do you see the image of Winnie the Pooh from this movie? Yes. What is your reaction? That looks like some sort of Five Nights at Freddy's type of stuff. Oh, it definitely does look like some Five Nights at Freddy's stuff. That. Oh, my gosh. I I, I want to go back to uh, Steamboat Willie as quickly as possible. That is. Okay, again, I, I think this is a Chico line, and I'm going to regurgitate it now. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. No. With a budget of $100,000. Oh, it looks like it was made of $100,000. It looks like it was made for $50. But it made $5.2 million. So people, the, people will watch any crappy-ass horror movie. But, but the point I'm looking at is it turned its money 52-fold. So it made 52 times the budget. I mean, good on them for that, but Gosh. And it looks like there's a Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey 2 coming oh, out yes, this year. Yes, this is going to probably be a franchise. Okay, I will, going back to Steamboat Willie, I think the idea of a Steamboat Willie Cuphead type of game, I think that's brilliant. Because if you've never played Cuphead, the animation on Cuphead is just so freaking amazing. It's very authentic to like the 30s type of animation. So I'd actually like, I don't want to say buy it, but I would be in a buying mood. Let's say that. Oh, yes. Something like a Cuphead game, I would be so down for. But it's like, now please stop with all your ideas. Now I understand why Disney lawyers were like, no, we don't want Mickey in the public domain. No. Just imagine some of the stuff we haven't heard about regarding Mickey in the public domain that people might want to create. Thinking much worse than horror movies and I'm thinking like adult movies. Oh, no, no, don't say that. I, I well, I, I wanted to just, you know, I think that was the Band-Aid that had to be ripped off. And I, I'm not condoning it. I'm not expecting it. I don't want it. But, you know, somebody out there, hey, I can make money doing this with Steamboat Willie with Mickey in the public domain with the OG Mickey. No, again, just because, you know, you think it's a good idea and could make you money doesn't mean it's actually a good idea. Well, you know what I just got for Christmas? I can't wait to hear this. I got a PS5. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you did. P you did mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I have the PS5 Slim, so I got that. 
I now have Spider-Man 2. So I've been playing that for like the last like week and a half, two weeks. And I gotta say, it is amazing. And I love the first Spider-Man game. They topped it in the second game. I'm like maybe a quarter of the way through the story. And I'm like, this is like the most amazing game I've ever played in my life. I'm that serious. This is like one of the best games I've ever played. Seriously, no joke. It's no Spider-Man for the Atari 2600, you know that. Yeah, but does it have like 150 different suits for Spider-Man, the Atari 2600 game? Can you have like Peter Parker, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think what what crazy-ass suit he has. Like, Peter Parker in the Spider-Man 2 game has a suit called the Bombastic Bagman, where he's wearing like a Fantastic Four, like, outfit with a paper bag over his head as a suit. I'm not even kidding. That's an actual suit in the game. He has a paper bag over his damn head. Now you're just amazed. I got EA Sports FC, which is the new version of FIFA, because EA doesn't have the rights to the FIFA license anymore. I got Madden, of course. Any console you got to get Madden for, even if it's not as good as Madden's of previous years. And I got WWE 2K23. But here's the weird thing, Mike. I bought the game at Walmart. I swear to God, this must be like a rare variant cover of the game. Because I got the game, and when I looked at the cover, there was nobody on the cover. Maybe there's a printing error. I don't know. Maybe it was a printing error. Because I couldn't sure see who was on the cover of the game. And of course, I got GTA 5 because it seems like Rockstar Games is like, we got to put GTA 5 on every goddamn console before we get GTA 6 out to the public. You got to have something to play before they release GTA 6 since right now we're looking at sometime in 2025. They haven't even said like, you know, quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four. For all we know, this may not be released until... Thanksgiving of 2025, almost two years from now. Yeah, because I remember GTA 5, when it first came out, was the fall of 2013. So I'm guessing fall of 2025. But I got to say, I'm very happy GTA 6 is going to be back in Vice City. Because it's been a long time since we've been to Vice City. One question my students had for me. Uh, they know I'm sort of into gaming, not so much into anything past GTA 3. But they said, when this comes out, how big will the download be if you go the download route? And I told them, legit, given what I've heard, given what I've seen, talking about not just the graphic quality of GTA 6, but also supposedly how big the map is going to be, I think this download's going to be darn near 250 gigs. Oh, I'm not even... Maybe 400 gigs. It looks like it's going to be a massive game. Now, since you're the PS5 owner, you can answer this. How big is the hard drive that comes with the PS5? Is it a gig? It's a gig. So people may give up 
40 to 50% of their hard drive just for GTA 6. Now, I know there's expansions. I know you can add on and whatnot, but that's just absolutely mind-blowing. And I even told the students, the day it gets released, don't even think about trying to download it that day because you'll be going slower than molasses. It's going to take you forever and a day to download it. You're better off just buying the disc and just downloading straight from the disc. Yeah, and then just get your updates uh, whenever updates are available. I absolutely agree with you on that. Now, one game I am looking forward to now that I have a PS5 is coming out in July, and it's the return of EA Sports College Football. And I got to say, I'm somebody who loved the NCAA football series going all the way back to the PS2 and the Xbox. I have to say, it's been a long time coming, but I'm very happy that we're going to have college football back on video game consoles again next year. And think about everything in the last 11 years that's happened in college football from NCAA football 14 back in 2013. Like the transfer portal, the college football playoff, the like changing of the uh, landscape with the realignment in college football over the last 11 years, NIL. That game's going to be like amazing to play. I think you're absolutely right about that. The different varieties and modes you can play. Absolutely. Now, would they actually allow you to take teams from leagues and then create super leagues, sort of like what you've got with uh, the Big Ten, where they're going to be what? 18 teams next year? 17 teams? 18, because they got USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon coming to the Big Ten next year. But the thing is, are they going to give you the capability to turn into a, a major league of some sort where you can turn the Big Ten into literally, let's say, a 32-team a league. I mean, well, as ridiculous as that sounds. Well, in NCAA football, like back in the PS3 and 360, you could move teams around before you started Dynasty into different conferences. So maybe like before you start Dynasty mode, you can do that. But I'm sure they're going to have some option during Dynasty mode about Hey, like, let's say you're, um, I don't know, from some mid-major conference, like you're, I don't know, James Madison, and say, oh, James Madison, you got an invitation to join the AACC. Do you want to join the ACC? Something like that. You know somebody's going to make some sort of super conference of, like, 64 teams. Oh, you definitely are in the right ballpark for that. And speaking of college football, well, coming as of the time we're recording this, on Monday will be the national championship between, I guess you could say, two future conference mates between Michigan and Washington. And I got to say, both semifinal games were great, especially the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl, I think, was probably the best Rose Bowl since the USC-Texas Rose Bowl of 2006. Now, that was the game that Washington won, right? That was the game uh, Michigan won. Okay, I, I, I'm i sort of oblivious to what team played in what bowl. I agree with you. I did not see anything uh, in the Washington game, but the Michigan game, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Now, I got to say for the Sugar Bowl, I did watch, 
because they had the Texas radio broadcast on the Longhorn Network, and I was watching it, and it's like, I was hoping to see Bebo at some point during the game. I was hoping that he would take a giant dump in his stall during the game. Let's do a Jordan Shipley here and sing, My baby wants Bevo for Christmas. Now, we saw Bevo home for the holidays. Now, I got to say, Mike, that was the best two hours of entertainment. Screw the WPX Yule Log. It's a damn shame we're not going to get this going forward when the Longhorn Network folds next year. I almost want to say, Who says? They might wait. be able to show to you, not, not on Longhorn Network, mind you. Oh, wait, the SEC Network. Maybe we could get the SEC Network to air Bevo home for the holidays. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I got a great idea. How about we do all the SEC masks? If they have a living mascot, how about Ugga home for the holidays? My baby wants Ugga for Christmas. You would love to see, like, Ugga, like, I don't know what Ugga does. Who doesn't love Ugga? Oh, Ugga's... Well, Bevo doesn't love Ugga. Remember, Bevo charged Ugga that one time. I remember that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Ugga is going to be beating Bevo again because Texas and Georgia are playing next year in the SEC, so we're going to get a rematch between Bevo and Ugga. So maybe Ugga will be prepared. But I don't know. Bevo was like, what, a 1,000 pounds? Oh, at least I'd say. Yeah. And... What's Ugga? Ugga's got to be probably about 30 or so. Yeah, 30 pounds soaking wet at least. Now, I'm going through my Rolodex in my mind. What other SEC teams have living mascots? Because, like, Tennessee doesn't. And Florida wouldn't or shouldn't, especially when you're talking about the Gators. Bama? I'm pretty sure Bama doesn't have anything. Auburn? Yeah, they may have... War Eagle. I don't know if they actually have an eagle on the sidelines, but uh, oh, they, they oh, LSU has tigers. Oh, there you go. We could have uh, the, the tigers, uh, LSU tiger versus Bevo. Who wins that? The walking hamburger or the tiger? Whatever SEC teams have. I'm going to guess just uh, Bevo and Ugga, I think. Yeah. So, if there is another living mascot in the SEC, yeah, just send us like a comment or an email or whatever. So, I'm looking. I don't see any other living mascots. They're just oh. people in mascot costumes. Oh, well, how about people in mascot costumes as a uh, home for the holidays? Like you could have Smokey home for the holidays. Well, I was just going to say, uh, take a look here. Uh, actually, there is a real Smokey for the University of Tennessee. Oh, and, that's... and then Mississippi State has Bully the Bulldog. Bully the Bulldog. But yeah, just taking a look at the rest of these. Uh, cocky. <laughs> what? Co cocky the Gamecock for South Carolina. Cocky the Gamecock. Cocky. Uh, that's the name. I'm just reporting what I see. That is a uh, a person in a mascot costume. Big Al is an elephant for uh, the Crimson Tide. Aubie the Tiger, that's Auburn's mascot. 
again, person in a costume. We talked about Mike. Big Red at Arkansas, again, costume mascot, uh, a Razorback. Listen, the only Big Red I recognize is from Western Kentucky. Hey, you know my cousin graduated from there, and he now does television in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So he stayed in that area. Does he meet Big Red a lot? He's got pictures of him with Big Red when he was getting his undergrad. I don't know if he's uh, done it so much since he's graduated, but I know there are a number of times he uh, posts on his social media uh, with uh, Big Red, and I absolutely commented because it's like, oh, this is so cool. You and Big Red. That's the one mascot I want to meet, Big Red. He's my hero. Uh, we do have one other living mascot. Reveille is a mixed breed dog for Texas A&M. Oh. Yeah, it looks like a collie. It looks very much like uh, Lassie. Oh. Wait, I got an idea. Whenever a Texas A&M coach needs a buyout, they could call Revy and say, Revy! Please get the papers to hand the coach their buyout. I may have said Revy, it's Reveille. I'm sorry. Oh, Reveille. Could you imagine Reveille the dog handing Jimbo Fisher his buyout papers in his mouth? Maybe the president of Texas A&M told Reveille beforehand, before you give this to Jimbo Fisher, chew it all up. Make sure he can't cash it. Oh, my God. Well, we're going to take a short break after th- after that. And we'll be back with more before the show right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Accord with its unique double wishbone suspension, handles and rides like no other car. The Accord from the engineers at Honda. Honda. Hey, Chief, we need an 800 number. We need more lines. I think we need help. I think we need a fax machine. I've been waiting for computers. Yes. New phones. I think we need help. Today, what a growing business need needs most is finding out what it needs most. From long distance to phone systems to telemarketing, AT&T has the answers. Need, of course, no, right? but we need good stuff. I think we need help. Call our small business specialists. We can help. Wednesday. I want you to have an abortion. We've gone from me deciding your life to you deciding mine. Feel better? You two deserve each other. A worthless son? Carrington Tramp. On Dynasty. Then the lie. My own little personal secret. The terrible guilt. You're hurting. I want to know why. Look, you wouldn't understand. The tragedy of bulimia. The effects could be devastating. I'm so scared. Hotel after Dynasty. Wednesday. Tonight's movie, Escape from Alcatraz, will continue in a moment. We asked the whole town of Winter Harbor, Maine, to sample Alka-Seltzer Plus cold medicine. 
Here's what people said. I've switched Alka-Seltzer Plus, and I'll never go back to anything else. When I take Alka-Seltzer Plus, it, it drains everything from over my eyes, right down through my nose. Everything. My head is cleared right out beautiful. That's why in Winter Harbor, over half the people who tried it are switching to Alka-Seltzer Plus cold medicine. It worked on this one to have a cold Alka-Seltzer Plus did. Alka-Seltzer Plus cold medicine for tough winter colds. Still out there. I'm going to quit my job and stake you. Brooke Shields. Rich and fancy. In love. Boat's getting too small. In trouble. Caught in the middle. Don't let her make you crazy, son. Taking a chance. Greed and lust will eat you alive. And risking it all. I'm going after her. Brooke Shields in her first television movie. Burgess Meredith. Let go. Two weeks from tonight. We're back here for segment two. Chico is here. Now, Chico, I want you to come here for the second segment because... You want me to come here? Okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm okay. here. Okay. Mike, do you want me to explain this discovery that I found out today while searching my email? Yes. You have to be the one that describes this. Okay. Now, Chico... Oh, you have your... You have, uh... I have Discord on. Damn Sorry. it! Well... <clears throat> I'm leaving that in, so... I'm leaving that in as punishment to myself. Okay. Well, I share with Mike this amazing story from one of the uh, sub-stacks that I'm subscribed to about a new cryptocurrency scam. But it's not just any cryptocurrency scam, Chico. Do you know who's... uh? Hawking this cryptocurrency scam. Who is hawking this cryptocurrency scam? Okay. I'm no, don't say don't say it because I want Chico to think about it, okay? Okay, think about this. Who would be more likely to sell crypto? Who would try to sell you crypto? Think about it. Well, beyond that, the name of the currency. Yeah, that would help. The name of the currency is called WooCoin. Now think about this for a moment. Who would be so desperate for money to sell you something called WooCoin? I would guess old Dirty Bastard, but he did. Okay, how about if we say it this way? WooCoin! Oh, Ric Flair. Yes! Okay, now I gotta share with you. Now, I sent it to you in the DM, Chico, on Facebook. I got it right here. He tweeted about this, so I'm going to Read the tweet in Ric Flair's voice as you read it in your Cheetos-themed uh, tablet. Yeah, that I got from Jason Block, by the way. Thanks, Jason. Uh, woo! 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 It's the nature boy, Ric Flair, and I'm here to tell you about the hottest thing in crypto. Woo! Coin! These guys are strutting in with liquidity like my legendary charisma. Why? Because the founders put their money where their woo is. But check this out. We're not just talking the talk. We're walking the walk. We've locked down that LP tighter than a sleeper home for the first 30 days. And if everything's smooth, we'll, we'll just keep that lock going in just 24 hours. We at the big leagues, baby. We're on coin market cap. Standing tall and proud. Check it out yourself. And you'll see we're not messing around. Emoji of stock market going up. CMC listing in first 24 hours. Team finance LP locker. Woo! I add yeah. that last woo! Woo! Hey, you want to know something? That crypto is not even worth the free air that it's being advertised on right now. 
No. And it's like, everybody's buying in. Yay! We're millionaires! Now we're going to make it public. And it's gone. And it's gone. But seriously, if you're Ric Flair, it's like, how desperate for cash are you to be hawking this? Bro. You'd just be styling and profiling for anybody now. Well, let's be honest. I know right now he's helping Sting in his final matches at AEW as his manager. But we all know that at one point he's going to turn on Sting before he retires in March. And he's going to say to Sting, Woo! I'm turning on you because you didn't buy my woo coin. Woo! He's bought my woo coin. And we all know what Sting's reaction is going to be. Woo! WCW hotline face. By the way, Chico, Sting's last match is going to be in March at the Greensboro Coliseum. So, wow. I can't believe Sting's last match, and I am alive to see it. I can't believe it's 2024, and we're all alive to see Sting's last match. One thing I wanted to add, I told Greg uh, right before Chico came aboard, I wanted to take a look at Ric Flair's business ventures because he's done quite a bit. He partnered with uh, Scout Comics to launch a comic book series codenamed Ric Flair uh, and actually following allegations of sexual assault uh, against him made on Dark Side of the Ring, Scout Comics dropped the comic and Flair started personally selling it on his website. But then uh, 2022, uh, Ric Flair launched a virtual restaurant chain, a virtual restaurant chain. I don't, don't know how that What of those uh, shadow restaurants or something? Is it like a Mr. Beast thing? Yes. That's yeah. Okay. So he launched this virtual restaurant chain called Woo Wings in Nashville. Let me just say, Woo Wings is no part of my cheesesteaks. I got to find that. I thought I read there's one up here somewhere. I got to find part of my cheesesteaks. There's one in Patchogue at the Arugas, so. And actually, Woo Wings has expanded to six American cities in August of 2022. Ric Flair also partnered with Mike Tyson and Verano Holdings Incorporated to launch his own cannabis line called the Ric Flair Drip. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, uh, under Tyson's cannabis brand, Tyson 2.0. Uh, and that launched in uh, 2022, October of 2022 in Arizona, Nevada, and California. And I mentioned this to Greg earlier, and we've definitely talked about this, maybe not on the podcast per se, but last year, Ric Flair launched an energy drink called Woo Energy. And I remember that. Yeah, and he was up here in this area in, in Cleveland, like September, October, November-ish, actually going to Giant Eagle stores and just doing the whole PR thing. You know, if you want to get a, a six-pack or a four-pack or however big the, the pack was of Ric Flair's energy drink, he'll be glad to sign it and you get a picture taken with him and I'm sorry, I am not interested in energy drinks, but also I'm even less interested in an energy drink that uses mushroom extract. I did not know you could extract anything from a mushroom that's worthwhile. Everything uses mushroom extract nowadays online. I'm looking at that thing and I'm thinking to myself, this is exactly how The Last of Us started. 
And the thing is, for like a, whatever size pack it was, it was a six pack or I think it was a six pack. It wasn't uh, anything like a 12 pack. I think a six pack or four pack ran like $25. No, you're not getting my money. No. Okay. There is a pardon my cheesesteak in Fayetteville. It is inside the Ruby Tuesdays on Owen Drive. How do you even make this make sense? Make this make sense. I got nothing. I poured my cheesesteaks inside of Ruby Tuesdays. Amazing. Now, guys, I'm going to share with you an image. Now, Mike, can you tell me what happened with the uh, Kyler Murray tweet before I send this image? Okay, this popped up. It uh, wasn't even a group that I'm subscribed to. It was a recommended group on Facebook. And it was a tweet from a number of years ago, I believe, from Kyler Murray thanking Larry Fitzgerald for being a good teammate. Maybe it's when Larry Fitzgerald retired, which would have been 2019 uh, at the end of that season, I believe. And everything looked really nice until Larry Fitzgerald corrected Kyler Murray by saying, Hey, I appreciate it, bro, or something to that extent. But that's a picture of Brittany Griner, not me. How do you confuse Larry Fitzgerald with Brittany Griner, of all people? The last time I checked, Larry Fitzgerald was never in a Russian prison. And Larry Fitzgerald also isn't six foot nine. No. But then I said to you guys, it reminded me of a certain tweet exchange a number of years ago where Hulk Hogan tweeted a picture of him with Bam Margera where it said, Damn, Bam, I wish you were still with us. I sure would love to hang out again, my brother. Love you. Miss you. HH. And then Bam Margera tweeted back, I'm alive, brother, but miss you too. I'm guessing what happened is Hulk Hogan was thinking of, what was his name? Ryan Durr, I believe? Ryan Dunn. Dunn. That was close. Because Ryan Dunn, he would have passed away probably, what, about 13 years ago at this point? 2011, 2012-ish? Yeah, somewhere before Jackass 3, right before that, or right after Jackass 3. But still, I knew Bam Marger is still alive, and I don't care about Jackass. Wow. Well, guys, one and a half hours ago, or two hours ago, somewhere around that time, I was on the Our Vantage Point Facebook. Our friends at Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, someone posted all the pages from a WWF magazine from around June, July of 1986. Now, I'm going to share with you guys the greatest picture ever. Okay. Go to the Facebook chat and check this photo out. Well, the caption is the Hulkster meets the fans at the NATPE convention, which is the uh, television syndication convention that used to happen every year. I think it ended uh, due to COVID. So he's at NATPE and... Okay, I think I recognize a few of the people. It's the cast of Silver Spoons. Yeah, I got Alfonso Ribeiro. I got Ricky Schroeder. 
Okay, yeah, that is Aaron Gray, and that's uh, Joel Higgins. Okay, the and person that's Franklin Seals right there. Okay, you see, I the last person I looked at him, I thought looked like uh, Bud Bundy a little bit, but Bud Bundy at the time would have been probably about ten years old and wouldn't have been anywhere near that tall because because Hulk Hogan is a big person and David Faustino is not a big person. Now. This is tonight's edition of Who Are Three People Have Never Been in My Kitchen. Hulk Hogan, Alfonso Ribeiro, and Aaron Gray. You know you can make it six people who have never been in your kitchen. Do I really want Ricky Schroeder in my kitchen? Hell no. Good point. Do you want Joel Higgins in your kitchen? I like Best of the West. He can be in my kitchen. Frank can also talk with them about Salvage One. Why did it last just 16 aired episodes? We'll find out later this year. I can't wait till we talk about Best of the West. Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk about Leonard Fry again. Because we don't talk about Leonard Fry enough since he only pops up like every other week on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. That's true. You know who I sure as hell don't want to talk about? What would that be? Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to talk about that at all because Chico, you can just take it from here. Aaron Rodgers is obviously on the again because he's on his boyfriend, Pat McAfee's show and he's doing his thing where he's talking a whole lot of junk. And he's basically saying, you know, it's going to be bad for Jimmy Kimmel when Jeffrey F. Steed's list comes out, whatever that means. And we're all left to insinuate, did he just make a veiled slap across the bow of Jimmy Kimmel? So Jimmy Kimmel says, hey, we'll see who's laughing in court. To which Pat McAfee has to go on and walk back a few comments. And according to people on YouTube, basically threes mostly, he's like, he's always been this way. Don't ever worry about it. Are you seriously serious with me? Here's the whole thing. If Pat McAfee keeps doing this, ESPN and Disney are going to have to step in. And if there's a lawsuit, they are not going to side with Pat McAfee. They are going to side with Jimmy Kimmel. Because who's more valuable to Disney? The guy on ABC who's more popular than Pat McAfee? Or are they going to side with this small ass internet show that gets its best two million viewers on cable on cable which is dying are they going to get a guy who's on a money making part of the company or a guy who's on a money losing part of the company because you know ESPN is bleeding money right yeah when in doubt you go where the money you go where the money is but I have to say what news value does – I know what it does. It, they want to create controversy and clicks. I get that. But it's like Aaron Rodgers has been injured for most of this season. Who the goddamn hell cares what he thinks about anything right now? Like there's no news value to having him on. Nobody cares what he thinks about anything. Like I'm reading Newsday. And they haven't mentioned anything about this Kimmel crap. They're talking about what he says about football stuff. Like, anybody gives a shit 
what he has to say about football. Who cares about a guy who has been injured most of the year and what he has to say on Pat McAfee about football? Nobody cares. Do you care? I don't care. Mike, do you care? Absolutely not. But I'm going to say this. Again, I had to deal with a jackass McAfee stand on YouTube yesterday in the comment section. I'm not even going to get into the whole thing. But I said, if he keeps this up, he's going to lose his slot on ESPN. Because no one is going to stand with him on this. No one. He's going to be the guy who everybody looks at and says, see that guy? Yeah, we don't claim him. He's going to go in the Tucker Carlson seat. If he went full Tucker Carlson, he would disappear next week. Now, the reason I bring that up is Fox was fine with Tucker Carlson until he lost the money with the lawsuit. I'm just saying. All right, well, enough about that crap. Chico, what have you been doing lately? So, I'm one of the lucky few who gets his Hulu subscription on Disney+. And I've been using it to watch season one of Moonlighting. It's basically the best true crime podcast you've ever seen, except without the true and without the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's basically what it was in 1985. It was the 1985 version of Only Murders in the Building. I'm four episodes in, and I'm like, will you two just sleep together already? Of course, I said something else, but I'm not going to say it here. But Now, just wait until you get to the episode in season one with Leonard Fry. I'm already there. Oh, good. You're on the train episode. Next good. stop, murder. Next stop, murder. Now... I haven't started season two. It's been like two months since I finished season one. So I got to get on to season two eventually and catch yes, up. Yes, you do. Now, I have stopped for a while, but I'm going to resume on the uh, Film Rise app. I got to finish the rest of season four of 15 and finish that up. That would be the season with 26 episodes where they bring in Florida versions of all of these stock characters. Like, uh, Brooke is off to Paris. Who do we get? Jennifer. Now, Jennifer's Dollar Tree Brooke. <laughs> what is Allison Bloom doing nowadays, I wonder? But I gotta say, Chico, and we'll talk about it when we get to the 15th episode this year, but Stacy, nobody lays a finger on Stacy. I will fight anybody who lays one finger on Stacy. She's an angel, damn it. She is, you know. But let's just say it right now. Do not mention Matt has a drinking problem. Whatever you do, do not casually mention he has a drinking problem. Don't bring it up in public because you know what will happen if you tell Matt he has a drinking problem? This will happen. And we have a problem also. You stay here! You stay here with Stephanie! You take me to him! Take me to the son of a Take me to him! Come on! Go! 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 Where's the son of a Where is he? Where is he? God, where is he?
That's what happens if you mention that Matt has a drinking problem. He will snap and go nuclear on your ass. He will smack his bee up. Oh, yeah. Didn't he smack Jake when he mentioned that he had a drinking problem? Yes. Boy, I can't wait till he gets to 15 when Deadpool 3 comes out. That might be, I got to say, that has potential to be a top five episode in the history of the podcast. Bold statement. Wow. Oh, bold. Bold. Should be noted, there are only three shows on the entire master list with Ryan Reynolds in it. We're covering all three. Now, a caveat to that. When we talk about two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, we're only talking about the episodes with the pizza place. I don't care about seasons three for four. We're just talking about the episodes with the pizza place. So if you are a fan of Nathan Fillion. Now, hold on. Time out. He's in season two. So oh, okay. we'll talk about him. Because Maximum Effort airs like one or two episodes of two guys, a girl, and a pizza place every day. And again, those are the episodes with the pizza place. I don't think they've shown any without the pizza place. Because everyone knows it was all at the pizza place. Once the pizza place left, it was like, oh, who cares? I'm not going to lie. I saw an episode a couple of days ago, and man, that was stupid. Of course it was stupid. It was late 90s ABC. Hey, there were some good things on ABC in the late 90s. Yeah, well, the Drew Carey show, obviously. We talked okay, about there's one. Whose line? There's two. A little show called Millionaire. Three. Okay. NYPD Blue. Okay, I'll count. So we NYPD. have three total. Okay, that's good. <laughs> all right, I'll count NYPD Blue because obviously everyone was all about seeing Dennis Friends as you know what. Oh, God. No, hey, we weren't all, all about that. Hey, all no. I can say is David Caruso left after season one. He missed the golden opportunity to see Dennis Franz's butt. But he got CSI Miami. So. He did. And he became a meme. So Hold on, hold on. He traded one vice for another. Is that why you had those sunglasses saved whenever we talked about CSI Miami? No, I have them here because I leave for work in the dark and I come home in the dark, so. So you wear your sunglasses at night like Corey Hart. Yes, I do. The singer, not the Milwaukee Brewers player. Don't be afraid of the guy with shades. Oh, no. Now, Mike, are you happy that I mentioned the Corey Hart from the Milwaukee Brewers? I'm looking for shows on ABC that were successful in the late 90s. And you're talking about Corey Hart, who he didn't play all that long for Milwaukee. Gee, I mean, he was a good player at the time, but that's a deep cut. Oh, Spin City. How, how could we forget about Spin oh, City? Yeah. Spin City is on Pluto TV. And one day we will talk about it. The episode of Spin City where Richard Kind's character was on Millionaire. Which was a great episode. Of Which Spin was a superb City. episode. Not just great, it was excellent. Hey, everybody. Richard Kind here. Can't wait for that. Can we also add the Hughleys to the list? Well, I guess you could add the Hughleys. Yeah. And yeah. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. It was on until the late 90s. We could include 
Boy Meets World. We can include that. How can we forget Boy Meets World? That was a seminal uh, thing of our childhood, Greg. Yes. And we all know there was one special place in our hearts. Whenever we go to Philadelphia, we always try to find that great takeout business. Now, are, are you sure that's not part of my cheesesteak? Now, PFT commenter and Big Cat, they definitely have a great takeout business, but I don't think they have a great takeout business as well as Buddy Hackett and Soupy Sales. Hey, one more show we could add. Maybe it wasn't as successful in the late 90s, but dang, if it can survive Daisy Fuentes and John Fugel saying, you got to include America's Funniest Home Videos on that list. Oh, yeah. That era of America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, God. Abysmal. I'm, oh, God. I mean, that's the best word I can use. Abysmal. They had to get Tom Bergeron to bring it back. Man. Oh, yeah. He saved that show, Tom Bergeron. Because Tom Bergeron, as we all know, is great. And now it has Alfonso Ribeiro as host. And, of course, I mentioned he's one of three people that have never been in my kitchen. He was in a picture with Hulk Hogan. When was that from? That was probably about 85, 86-ish? It was the 86 Napty Convention. Okay. Could you imagine going to the Napty Convention in 86 and see the Hulkster with the cast of Silver Spoons? I'd be like, man, I've died and gone to heaven. You're all speechless. Well, this coming week on It Was a Thing on TV, we're going to get serious for a moment. Because we're going to talk about what happens when a character dies. And then we're going to talk about what happens when the star of the show dies. So it's going to be a two-part week. And well... This has been like a week I think we pushed aside last year. So we figured we'd do it this year. Because we were going to do this last year. But complications happened. So we had to push this back a bit. But obviously we know the obvious examples. And we know many stars. Well, some stars have passed away during the runs of shows. And we'll talk about them. But. I'm not going to say it's a fun episode because it's a very somber episode, but it's like a very, what would you say, like an educational episode? Insightful. Yes. And you'll find out more about that coming up this week right here at It Was The Thing On TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with those episodes later this week. Rawl! Hey, my man, all right. The man is Dave, the lady is Maddie. Got a light. They're on the move when Moonlighting lands tonight. It's starting to tick me off, pal. Moonlighting right after Magruder and Loud, all starting at 9, 8 central tonight. Bang.